in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, wow. Ron DeSantis right now breaking news, meeting with his bosses, the donors, about that disastrous thing. I feel like Ron's in trouble. I mean, ooh, Ron's in trouble. His bosses have called him in, and they're like, hey, what's with you? <laughs> what's the matter with you? I really do get the sense that Ron DeSantis is um, hes just not big enough. He's just not strong enough. He's, he's a middleman. He is uh, the go-between between the voters and the donors. It doesn't work that way, of course. Uh, it's amazing that this is a headline right now. Meeting with donors, what, to reassure them or to get scolded by them? That was one hell of a catastrophe. Wow. Sorry. Look, he's never going to be president. I know. Enough with the hype. All right, let's get real here. The guy doesn't have it. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Uh, this is the DeSantis announcement, right? And you Just have a podium. Just have a room. Just have people. Just have TV cameras. Just go on TV. Why are you trying to be so cute? Why are you trying to be so sophisticated? What the hell? Yeah, I got it. You're friends with Elon Musk. He can't help you. You're on your own here. Make it happen. He can't. All right. So um, you know what a presidential announcement sounds like? What does a presidential announcement sounds like? Here's what it sounds like under normal circumstances. This is Tim Scott just the other day. Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina. It's a long shot, of course. I don't think it's going to work. But at least he got off to a reasonable, not laugh-out-loud start. Tim Scott showing us how it's done. Cut 25. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States. All right. That's how it's done. So last night I go to my Twitter because I'm supposed to go to Twitter. Most people don't have Twitter, but I go to Twitter. I have Twitter. I know how to use Twitter. I don't know anything about Twitter spaces. And I'm like, where is it? Do I have to hit a special icon? I don't know anything about Twitter spaces. Elon Musk has something. Do I press on Elon? I don't know. And so suddenly I finally think I have it. I think I have it. And I, this is literally what I start hearing. It's, it's silent for a while. Then there's a little background music. And then some guy starts talking. I'm waiting for DeSantis. And this is what it sounds like. Cut 20, please. Cut 20. Exposed Twitter's past complicity with a government censorship regime. Might have surprised many, but not those of us who've known and worked with Elon for nearly a quarter century. His commitment to freedom, commitment to freedom and his willingness to put his money where his mouth is. Upset the narrative, upset the narrative on on imposed on us by our government, elite institutions, and corporate media. That's actually what it sounded like. And that guy, by the way, is uh, his name is David Sachs, a big-time Hillary Clinton donor. And went on like that. You know, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And then they had to launch it all over again. They had to unplug the computer, plug it back in. Basically, it's a Zoom call, and you can't see anybody. That's what Twitter Spaces is. And how do you actually access it? I still don't know, even though I accessed it. So they figure all that out, kind of. And let's see here. Is this... Uh, Here's 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 DeSantis. You heard what Tim Scott did, and here's DeSantis. This is it. And by the way, this is the whole thing. It's not like you could see anything. This is what he did. Cut twenty three. Well, there's three hundred eighty two thousand people, Lauren. 
All right, great. So let's see. So if we just keep crashing, huh? Yeah, I think we've got a, just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. Um, A couple of billionaires, right? That's the couple of billionaires for you. All right, so then they finally get it. And you know who's annoyed as hell at this point? DeSantis. It's like, why the hell didn't I just go to uh, Miami Beach, set up a podium with the beach in the background, and talk? Uh, all right, I think this is where he makes it a kind of official. Uh, try cut 24 now. Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes, and we feel it in our bones. All right, great. I don't see how he, what's special about him anymore. I can't even remember what happened in, in Florida during COVID. Do you? I mean, I don't really. I don't know. Um, I know that there were no income taxes in, in Florida back when I was in Florida in 1992. It's always had those kinds of advantages. We made another point. Let's try this one. Cut 26. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. We must restore sanity to our nation. This means embracing fiscal and economic sanity. Stop pricing hardworking Americans out of a good standard of living through inflationary borrow print and spending policies. And please embrace American energy independence. This also means Replacing the woke mind virus with reality, facts, and enduring principles. Merit must trump identity politics. All right. So that's, um, I don't disagree with any of that, but a lot of people are saying that. We all know that. What's, what's about you? What's special about you, Ron, that you can actually get elected and do all this stuff? Not much, actually. Now I'm, it's all coming full circle. I realize I was told about two years ago that Ron DeSantis is totally overrated. And uh, is a very, very weird on an interpersonal level and apparently, you know, weird decisions. Uh, this is he doesn't like people. People don't like him. I mean, that's kind of important in politics. Uh, he likes to sit in a room and, and what? I, I don't know. But he it will never be president. All right. It's never going to happen. Sorry. Forget it. He doesn't have it. He does not have it. Trump's got it. Oh, boy. They put out a <laughs> they put out a uh, video mocking all of this, which was pretty damn funny. Uh, the FBI, it's like Ron DeSantis. Can I make my announcement now, please? Can I make it? And George Soros is cutting them off, <laughs> coughing and stuff. And the FBI comes on. All right, guys, let's, how are we going to figure out to get Trump out? And <laughs> just great stuff. And I don't know. There he goes. The political obituary of, of Ron DeSantis is, I think we've already started to write it. And that just might be the lead paragraph. He screwed up the most important moment of his campaign, the announcement. He can't even pull that off. And I know I saw this guy. It's like, that's a very sophomoric, not very sophisticated thing to say. Well, if he can't pull off a campaign announcement, how can he be president? When you say stuff like that, the politicos, they laugh at you. But I think it's a damn good question. Was this Casey's idea? And oh, by the way, was it some staffer? Or was it Ron's and nobody had the guts to say this is a bad idea? That's kind of life these days, right? Nobody wants to tell the boss, bad idea. We have become a nation of sheep. We're so worried about being called out on social media. I went through this last night on the show. 
some great examples in recent history. The Evalde shooting. Why the hell didn't those cops tell the supervisor to get lost? We're going in right now. Guns blazing. we got to save those kids. Screw you, chief whatever. We're going in to save those kids. What else? Weapons of mass destruction. Why didn't Colin Powell actually stick to his guns and say, you know what, uh, President George W. Bush, you incompetent fool, if you do this, I'm resigning. I'm going to resign. Why aren't we? Why didn't we see any resignations? Nobody resigned. Why aren't we seeing resignations from the Manhattan DA's office or the U.S. Attorney's office or the Department of Justice? These people are smart enough to know that what's going on against Trump, at least a handful of them, must. I don't care how much you hate Trump, that this is all bogus. This is a political vendetta. Where are the brave people anymore, huh? I go back to the space shuttle Challenger when that thing blew up and all those engineers and Morton Thiokol and they're all sitting around and NASA and I don't remember whether it was NASA or Morton Thiokol, but there were some very smart people who knew that spaceship was going to blow up if it launched and they gave the go ahead. They actually signed the paperwork for yes, launch, go ahead, launch this thing, even though they knew and they did not want to get in trouble with some boss. They'd rather kill seven people. Then get in trouble with some boss. You you show disloyal to me. Oh, yeah, the disloyalty to me. Yeah, well, I was loyal to the human race and to God and my conscience. Sorry, boss. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, is that too much of an extreme thing to uh, go there after what happened on that phone call? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, what else is going on? I think uh, this is sinking in. Oh, one of the Oath Keepers, whoever they are, they're like, I've never heard of the Oath Keepers. They weren't there on January 6th, or at least a couple of them were. One just got sentenced to 18 years in jail for seditious conspiracy. Overhyped, overcharged. My pal, Big O Barnett, and I do consider him a pal. I like this guy. I never met him in person, but I've interviewed him about a half dozen times. And Big O Barnett, he's the one who was photographed with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. What's the big deal? I mean, really? You know, that's government property, that desk. You own it. I own it. I understand you can't just go marching into her office and put your feet up on the desk. But the doors were open. For some reason, a lot of doors were open that day. What's up with that, huh? And Big O Barnett did not hurt anybody. He did not break anything. And he's going to federal prison for four and a half years. This is wrong. And I'm so glad President Trump has had the guts to say, you know what, if I get in there, we're going to look at clemency. We're going to look at commuting sentences, not necessarily for everybody, but for a lot. And that's what he said. That's enough reason right there to vote for him. Screw this system. Screw the easy way out. Screw going along with this corrupt charade. No way. Stand up. Have some guts. The media. You know what they're doing most of the time? They just want to. They just want to keep what they got, although it's leaving them anyway, their status, their position. I see, uh, well, no, that's not that important. All right. Do me a favor. Let's hear cut 19. This is Eric Adams running around like he really, I told you guys, he knew nothing. He is nothing. He's a fat, what do they call those guys? Clothes horse. He's a clothes horse. I like nice clothes as well. All right. But not like that. You got to, um, you can't dress. It's over the top. He's only thinking about how he looks all the time. Cut 19, please. 
Are you afraid that people are going to end up sleeping on the street? We would get clarity from the court, and we're going to make sure that we continue to do everything we, we have to do to take care of New Yorkers who are here, those who are arriving. We are now seeking clarity from the courts to really deal with this issue that is a national problem. New York has done its share. Our shelter system is buckling. We are trying to prevent it from collapsing. Clarity. He's seeking clarity. Well, he can't deliver much clarity, can he, right? He's got to get it from somewhere else. Uh, Clarity from the courts. This is what incompetence looks like, everybody. This is what incompetence looks like. Totally indecisive, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to do it, even if he knew what to do. Um, Crazy stuff. Oh, the Uvalde shooter. Hey, do you remember the parents begging the cops to go inside? Cut 42, cut 42. Man, y'all can't be like that, man. Y'all can't be like that when there's people. Yes, I do. Get across the street. Because I'm having to deal with you. Get across the street. Get across the street. Okay. We're going to back up. Are you going to walk into that gate and get him? You got to get with You know that there are kids, right? They're little kids. They don't know how to defend themselves. Six-year-old kids in there, they don't know how to defend themselves from a shooter. Wow. Um, how, do, how does a six-year-old defend themselves? And that guy went walking into that school. I'd like to see teachers with guns, quite frankly. I am more in favor of the Second Amendment than ever before. Ever before. I Quite frankly, yeah, I, I wasn't passionate about it. I really, you know, well, I don't know. It, it just wasn't a thing on my mind. Maybe because I was in the Marine Corps and we had guns and uh, I don't know. I Maybe I thought I got all that training. Should anybody have a gun? I'd, it's a constitutional right and they can't mess with it. And I got, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder about the government. Don't you? I certainly don't trust them. I do not trust them. Look, I'm going to follow the law, all right? I'm going to follow all the laws, of course. Uh But the government needs to understand that we're in charge, the people. And somehow it feels like, I don't know, it's the other way around, right? Did you see that video that Trump put out? Look at his inaugural address. Too too much now, the government feels like they're in control of the people. The people must be in control of the government. Barbara can fill us in on that, right? Ben Franklin and people have said much the same thing. Uh, But now more than ever. Um, all right. What else? What am I missing? Is anything else? I feel like, uh, I feel like there's something about to happen. I feel like something big could happen. Don't you? Do you feel that way? Right. The weekend is coming. It's three years ago since George Floyd died. I saw a United States general, a United States air force general is going to be the next chairman of the joint chiefs of staff. His name is Brown, Charles Q. Brown. And you know what he was doing in the middle of Black Lives Matter summer? He was jumping up and down talking about the tragic death of George Floyd. And he was borderline in tears about it. He happens to be black. Um, And now I see throughout his, well, recent career, he's using race as a way to get attention, to get more power. And he's about to be rewarded in a big way. He's going to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at least mutinous Mark is going to get fired. He's done, and he can maybe 
Uh, and the one thing I do like about this new general, General Brown is his name. He's not fat like Mark Milley. Hey, look, I'm fat, but I'm no longer in the military, okay? You can't have a military man, the top military man, be fat. Good luck, General Brown. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here's that general I was talking about. Uh, his name is Charles Q. Brown. He was the top general in the Air Force, and now he's about to be the top general of the entire military, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, happens to be black. He's a great uh, fighter pilot, did a lot of great things. But now that he's got uh, four stars on his shoulder, now he tells us that the whole damn system is racist. It's unbelievable to me. It's so, um, I don't know, counter to what the military is supposed to be about. And now he can just vent and here's his grievances. Uh, this helped make him a star, oh, by the way. This is in part why he's getting the job. So three years ago, Black Lives Matter summer, he stands up in uniform and starts saying this stuff. The thing about living in two worlds, each with their own. Hello? No, what's happening? I haven't heard of anything buffering since 1998. Uh, It's buffering. That sounds like somebody doesn't know how to press the right button. Could that be it? All right, we'll get back to that. Um, But it's... uh, you know, all about uh, he's going through flight school, he's in his first squadron, and there aren't enough people around there who look like me. When did that become a thing? You know, this, that it's it's relatively recent. I'm looking for people who look like me. I told you already, the guy I admired most in the military, apart from my dad, who was a colonel in the Marine Corps, was, uh, well, General Colin Powell. In 1990, he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and... Uh, I was just going through officer candidate school. He was from the Bronx. I was going to college in the Bronx. I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. And yeah, he didn't look like me, right? Oh, but I only I only I only can respect white soldiers. It's hideously stupid and wrong and totally un-American. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Really, if you have Instagram, you got to get it all off of your phone. I'm now watching dance videos, silly dance videos. What the hell do I care about dance? I don't know what it is, but now it's figured it out that I don't know. It's got the right now. It knows that I like Michael Jackson music and all these videos pop up of people dance. They're good dancers, too. But you can just every you want to spend the rest of your life doing this stuff. I do not. But I can't stop right now. Who the hell is Miranda Derrick? Uh, she's got 1.4 million followers. She can dance like crazy. And, um, these little snippets come up. They're incredibly entertaining, but, um, you know, (laughs) what do you get out of it? Well, you know, she benefits. Do I benefit? No, I get distracted from all the other things I got to do and this, that, and the other, whatever. But, uh, Hey, I'm going on vacation for Memorial day. It's, uh, it's going to be great. However, I got to get on an airplane and, uh, that's fine. Isn't this supposed to be? It's supposed to be the biggest travel day of uh, forever, of ever. And who's running the show? Pete Buttigieg. Did you see? He came out this week trying to be all cute about uh, travel. Listen to this. Cut 45. Pete Buttigieg. Cut 45. Making EVs more affordable will also make it easier for more Americans to take advantage of the fact that it is cheaper to fill up a car or truck with electrons, typically, than with gas or diesel. Oh, yeah. Huh. Isn't that cute? Because electrons are free, right? Electrons are free. Molecules are free. But diesel and gas, 
See, that really appeals to the fake news. The New York Times, oh, wow, isn't that clever? Isn't that cute? Right? But where the hell do the electrons, how do you generate them, okay? How do you make electricity? You got to have basically dead dinosaurs uh, who, who died millions of years ago. That You need those things still to create the electricity. Uh, you need that stuff. Andrew, hello. Hey, Greg. Love the show. And the general, just quick on him, he was wrong in every which way because I would say that uh, American men are only like 7 or 8% of the population, so they're probably overrepresented in the military in all positions, not underrepresented. And also... Uh, He's talking about pilots. He's talking about pilots. And uh, so there are fewer than 7% are pilots, all right? But the idea is, and so simplistic and it's so wrong that... There aren't more black pilots white because there's discrimination because the white pilots are discriminating. That I mean that's the that's kind of the implication, and that's what 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 I find so offensive. But anyway, uh, what do you have to say? There is discrimination. All right, what do you have to say about? I want you to bring in up your new topic, whatever it is. Go ahead. Affirmative action, Cuomo. That was the problem you had with Rita's interview. I had no problem with Rita's interview. I didn't even hear Rita's interview. I had no problem with Rita's interview. I didn't even hear it. I had a problem with, uh, what's her name? Oh, who's the weather person again? I used to know her. Uh, Janice Dean, her. Janice Dean. Yeah, I didn't like her. But I have no problem. I, well, from what I heard, what's his name? Uh, she gave him a grilling, but I did not hear the interview. I did not hear the interview. I, I just like Janice Dean calling up what? In the past, you were defending Cuomo's sexual harassment charges. But I, well, I didn't defend probably... the sexual harassment charges. I defended him. I thought he was innocent on that stuff. Yes, I did. Yes, I do. However, I did say you can look it up. I was calling for this guy's resignation back in 2020 because I think he screwed up COVID. He turned around that hospital ship that could have done a lot of good. And he accepted five million dollars from a book company in the middle of it all. Andrew, thank you for listening. Uh, Sandra is in New Jersey. Hello. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't expecting you today. I thought you were starting your vacation, so I'm happy you're here. Um, I wanted to say I was so totally let down by Ron DeSantis. What a stupid way to launch his career as president. I mean, I was. I didn't get to hear very much. I got little bits and pieces from Net, you know, Newsmax, and maybe a little from Fox, which I don't watch anymore. And then I, I'm going to say stupid, stupid, stupid move he made. And then I learned today, is this true that it, it, they did show it on Fox? So I, I missed it because I don't watch Fox anymore. But then I wanted to say one other thing. You know, there's a tracker. His name is Jack Sweeney. He wrote that um, Ron DeSantis uh, signed something to the effect that law enforcement will keep any of his travel secret. So is that a normal thing that politicians do, or is this not right? Or I don't, it, Wait, wait, you know, wait, wait, Jack Sweeney, who the hell's that? Just wait, what? He's a tracker. That's I don't, all I know. What do you mean by a tracker? What kind of, tr- what? He, he kind of keeps track of uh, things that different politicians do, and he, he tracks their, what they do. Okay, yeah. So he wrote that, um, you know, he signed a law that requires that will require law enforcement to keep his travel secret. I thought you're supposed to say everywhere you go. You don't have to give the address to where you're going. You know, you want to be safe. But I thought it's like transparent to say and, you know, then your travels are recorded and you have to pay 
all the things that are required when you travel. I guess yeah, I know. Look, good. I don't know who it is or what he actually said. Um, there is this understanding between the media and uh, people like the president that you're not going to publicize his itinerary before the fact. All right. Afterwards, uh, there are things that are embargoed, like until he gets there, that kind of thing. Uh, you can't do it in secret. It's got to be in the public record somewhere, especially if you're a governor. Um, but it sounds like the amateurish kind of thing that he would pull uh, DeSantis. He doesn't know. He's in way over his head. He thinks he's emperor of Florida. He's not. He's uh, he's a little guy who, I mean, people are now realizing it, except for you, Brian, in Staten Island. Yes, Brian, what's up? Well, first of all, I'm a Trump supporter from day one, and I've even risked my life supporting that guy. So I'm in love with him, but he can't win. He can't. It's impossible. Why? How do I mean? I mean, I totally disagree. I think he won the last time. Uh, Donald Trump got more votes than any sitting president in U.S. history. And people are telling me he can't win. I mean, the only thing I fear is they'll cheat all over again and uh, and steal it from him. But all right. So you don't think he can win? I disagree with an attitude like that. Hopefully it's not contagious. And uh, let me let me, let me ask you: You think DeSantis can win, especially after yesterday? I think he's going to be the forty seventh president. You're wrong. Yes. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, see, no, you, no, no, you no Brian, you're you're wrong on this one. I'm sorry. Uh, no way. No way. Just not going to happen. Now, calm down. Oh, then he's gone. Uh, it's going to like let him rock, but he got all hot and bothered about it. Uh, don't get hot and bothered with me. Um, let's try. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm sorry. Now he gets on television a little bit later. And he's mad as hell. You can see it. He's mad. He's all frowny, and he's talking to Trey Gowdy. And let's see here. Cut 15, please. Day one, it's a national emergency. We'll mobilize all resources to construct the border wall, shut the border down. We're not going to be entertaining asylum claims for people coming across the border illegally. Uh, We're going to make very clear about that. Uh, We're going to have things like remain in Mexico so we don't have the incentives to come illegally. We do need to hold these Mexican drug cartels accountable, uh, and we'll be looking at levers that we can pull to be able to do that. All right, looking at levers. These are not new or unique ideas, all right? I mean, we all kind of understand that that has to be done. Not impressed. Cut 17, please. I think the DOJ and FBI have lost their way. I think that they've been weaponized against uh, Americans who think like me and you, uh, and I think that they become very partisan. Republican presidents have accepted the canard that the DOJ and FBI are, quote, independent. They are not independent agencies. They are part Stop. of the executive. Did he say Republican presidents have accepted the canard? Did he say that? And what's he doing saying canard? All right, nobody says canard. Keep going. I think that they've been weaponized against uh, Americans who think like me and you. No, uh, and I think that they become very partisan. Republican presidents have accepted the canard that the DOJ and <laughs> FBI are, quote, independent. They are not independent agencies. They are part of the executive branch. They answer to the elected president of the United States. So as president, you have a responsibility to be involved in holding those agencies accountable, clearing out people who are not doing the job and making sure that they're doing the people's business and they're not abusing their authority. I mean, it just sounds to me like he's a mimic. I mean, People know this. People understand this. There are far more articulate spokesmen out there, spokeswomen, who are totally versed in this stuff. He sounds very run-of-the-mill all of a sudden. I mean, after all the screw-ups, after everything that's gone down, and, oh, by the way, stabbing Trump in the back, 
Donald Trump made this guy governor. Uh, I, 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 he's not a winner. I'm sorry. He does not have it. That thing yesterday. I mean, I <laughs> made no sense to begin with. None. Zero. You just don't hang around with uh, Elon Musk. I don't care how rich he is for your first thing. Let's see here. Um, oh, is this, is Trump making fun of uh, DeSantis? Cut 18. We are uh, kind of melting the servers. All right, you get it? Hold on. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is Trump's version of what happened, and it's fantastic. Uh, uh, a DeSantis rally slash Twitter spaces. Keep going. Are uh, kind of melting the servers. All right. Good stuff, huh? Good stuff. Uh, I like it. North Face. You ever see North Face, the clothes from North Face? There was a time where everybody on the subway would wear North Face. It's basically a jacket company, windbreakers, stuff like that. It started in the 1960s. It was like a mountaineering kind of outfit. You'd go there to buy stuff like crampons. You know what crampons are? Crampons are those spiky little overshoes you put on your feet when you're climbing a mountain. I know it sounds like it's an unfortunate word, but it's called a crampon. And they would have things like that, the little spikes for your feet, heavy-duty mountain jackets, uh, you know, serious outdoor stuff. Uh, Well, it's 2023, and nobody seems to care about uh, making money or just providing a, a simple product and making it work well and all that stuff and just making money off of that. No, you got to have a gimmick. You got to have a, and you got to show the world that you are woke. This is the North face. This is the North face. And this is their new face of outdoor equipment. Some drag queen named, I don't know her name, Patty, Patty, Patagonia cut 38, please. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow. I, I Did you hear they said homosexual, which I thought we don't say anymore. You say gay or lesbian. Homosexual is supposed to be a, a pejorative. I know people get bent out of shape when you say homosexual. You're, I thought you weren't supposed to say that anymore. And there, uh, Patagonia is saying that word and wearing, you know, a rainbow costume and just gallivanting around the outdoors talking about North Face, which I've got North Face stuff. Everybody's got North Face stuff. Now, this is not to make money. There's something deeper going on here. Cut 39, please. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. This tour has everything. Hiking, community, art, lesbians, lesbians making art. You see, it's not about people making art or just people being outside. It's about lesbians or lesbians making art. And that's a biological male who really likes talking about lesbians. I know a lot of biological males like that, okay? I do, actually. And they don't talk about it on television and they don't have a multi-billion dollar company backing it up and hiring them and uh, hiring a camera crew so he can talk about his fixation with lesbians, all right? Uh, lots of people have that fixation and there is a time and place to dwell on it, but I don't think it's in a North Face TV commercial. Cut 40, please. Atlanta, GA. Why? 
because you're there. In Salt Lake City, we're coming for you. LGHG TV community. Wow. The the um, Salt Lake City. Good. Salt Lake City, we're coming for you. That sounds, you see, like Salt Lake City is Mormon and uptight, presumably, right? We're coming for you. Sounds a little bit uh, offensive, actually. Like they're they're looking for trouble. I think there's, is there one more? Now, this is what it used to be like. Cut 41. This is what it was like in last October. This is what the North Face was talking about. Cut 41. All of these lines across my face. All right, you can't see this. Tell you what it is. It's an old man putting on a jacket, going for a walk in the snow, and then a little girl in the forest, and then a family around a fire, stuff like that. What's wrong with that? It's so uncool. And now what is it? Earlier? All right. So, yeah. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. Now stop, stop, stop. I don't like that word, homosexual. I mean, I know we said it, and some people abbreviated it, and now that's really offensive. Uh, I just don't think that's a thing anymore. Let me think. Let's see. Christine, you, uh, you're aware of these things. Christine... Nobody says homosexual anymore, right? Actually, we should start saying the word sex, sex rather than gender. Like, maybe we should start saying homosexual versus gay. All right, but wait, I, I want to make sure. I'm with it, though, right? You don't say homosexual anymore, right? Well, people don't, but there's a push to restart using it. There is? Well, definitely for, yes, I've been hearing in the rumblings, but um, we definitely want to say transsexual versus transgender. That means... Well, basically, for us common sense transsexuals who are against sexualizing our children and against Pride Month, especially with the Los Angeles Dodgers, what they did, Greg. Yeah, I know. I mean, that now, was so so hideous. Can you imagine that? Sandy Koufax, Steve Garvey, oh. Tommy Lasorda. I mean, bringing the Sisters of Indulgence. And they're not really, they're not even nuns. They're just a bunch of... Uh, Weird dudes who get off being perverse in public and making fun of Christianity. And they've been invited to LGBTQ plus night, which there should not even be in baseball. Uh, the, by the way, the, the mainstream, the fake news, giving me a hard time because I said there's nothing gay about baseball. I also said there's nothing straight about baseball. It's totally asexual. It's the last thing you're thinking about when you're, uh, when you're watching baseball or playing baseball. Although then again, it is so boring. I could see what one's mind wandering. Anyway, Christine, you've been following that stuff. Well, you know what? It's up to me. I want every major league sports team not to have any more pride nights. Yeah, I know. What do you think's going on here, though? Seriously, North Face hiring that person right after Dylan Mulvaney turned out to be the biggest disaster in Bud Light history. Other companies are doing the same thing. So I don't think these companies care about money. Maybe they really just want to rearrange society, move the needle, if you will. Well, it's, I think they want to boost their ESG scores with their biggest investors. That's what it seems like. All these Target, Tranheiser, Bush, they don't mind. seems like they don't care about losing sales just to boost these stupid ESG scores. Uh, I like that. Trans, Transheiser, Bush. <laughs> Transheiser, Bush. And uh, just so we know, ESG, corporate, let me just, I know you know the answer. I just want to make sure I got it. Uh, ESG stands for environment. Oh, what the, well, let me see. What the hell does it stand for? It's environmental. Environmental, social, and governance. 
Yeah. Uh, also known as woke. All right. That's corporate. Exactly. That's corporate speak for being woke and adopting a left wing ideology. Christine, you're amazing. Keep up the fight. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The prosecution of Daniel Penny is an outrage. It's a miscarriage of justice. And this is a problem that has existed in Manhattan since Alvin Bragg has been district attorney. Alvin Bragg, you know that as a matter of law, you cannot get a conviction. You do not have probable cause to arrest this man. There is reasonable doubt as a matter of law. Just listen to the witnesses. And it's very clear that Daniel Penny did nothing wrong. All right, that was a Bruce Blakeman, county executive from NASA, and uh, he took me by surprise yesterday, quite frankly. He walked in. I'm like, oh, hey, Bruce, how are you? Yeah, what's new with you? I for- I didn't ask him about the casino. I I was just – it's basically like I ran into him in the hall. And uh, anyway, sorry about that. Also, the immigration stuff, we'll have him back soon. Bruce Blakeman had a little event there, county executive for NASA, here in Manhattan uh, for Daniel Penny, and that's, uh, that's great. He's uh, supporting him, as so many of us are, financially too. Oh, by the way, I think those uh, – uh, that fund for the lawyers is, is it approaching $3 million? All right, so, hey, they just nominated the new general to take over for mutinous Mark Milley. His name is General Charles Brown, Charles Q. Brown, C.Q. Brown, and and he's about to take the microphone. Is that Joe Biden speaking right now? Do we want to listen to him? No, we don't want to listen to him. When the general comes, we'll listen to him. Can I hear the general talk about uh, race relations again, if you don't mind? This is the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and... Um, he was, well, uh, laying it all out there, putting it all out there during Black Lives Matter summer. Go ahead. The thing about living in two worlds, each with their own perspective and views. I'm thinking about my sister and I being the only African-Americans in our entire elementary school and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about my Air Force career, where I was often the only African-American in my squadron, or as a senior officer, the only African-American in the room. I'm thinking about wearing the same flight suit with the same wings on my chest as my peers, and they mean questioned by another military member, are you a pilot? All right. And by the way, he's on the verge of tears the entire time. Uh, all right, so what, what are you saying? Everyone's racist? The system? I'm watching you right now. you you got four stars on your shoulder, and you're about to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and this is a systemically racist country, riddled with racism, right? Critical race theory. Wow, it's going to be one... One hell of a military under this guy. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Mutinous Mark, Mark Milley, you're done, you're finished, that's it. And uh, no more General Milley. We have a new general. Is he going to get to speak? They let him speak. His name is General Charles Q. Brown. And it doesn't look like he's going to get to speak. Nope, he's not going to get to speak. Wonder why. Maybe he already did. Did he speak earlier? Maybe they want him to, who knows? Maybe he spoke. Maybe it's they want him to get confirmed first by the U.S. Senate. Here's a couple of things to remember. Uh, Joe Biden is not going to listen to this guy. All right, Joe Biden, the thing is with him, since his son Bo was in the military, right, Since he's been to Iraq 47 times, even though that probably adds up to three hours, uh, he knows the world better than the military. Generals come and go. 
This man, uh, General Brown, was commissioned a uh, second lieutenant, I believe, in 1984. In 1984, Joe Biden had already been in the United States Senate for two terms at that point. All right. He does not have respect for this guy. He's not going to sit and, and be in awe. This is the thing. Joe thinks he's smarter than the generals and he dismisses them. He overrides their opinion. Uh, some of them actually thought, hey, you know what? We should leave a few guys in Afghanistan around Bagram Airfield. No, shut up. I know better. Bo, don't tell me about this. I know Bo. Right. That's a problem. It's a real problem. Um, the other thing going, uh, this gentleman happens to be African-American. Now, that makes Absolutely not one iota of difference to me or probably you. However, um, Joe Biden just talked about that for about five minutes, that he's black and that during the summer of Black Lives Matter, he made this video, which, oh, by the way, did go viral. I think thoroughly inappropriate for a sitting U.S. general to talk about domestic affairs. I'm sorry. And he's going on and on about what a racist country America was. I mean, that's my takeaway. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I'd like to hear it again. All right. This is the, this is what made the general, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is how he got noticed. Go ahead. Here's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how full I am with emotion, not just for George Floyd, but the many African-Americans that have suffered the same fate as George Floyd. I'm thinking about living in two worlds, each with their own perspective and views. I'm thinking about my sister and I being the only African-Americans in our entire elementary school and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about then going to a high school where roughly half the students were African-American and trying to fit in. Stop for a second. Number one, he's about to cry. And now, okay, I'm going to keep up with his, uh, his grievances. Number one, he's upset because he was outnumbered by white people in grammar school. He's still upset at, in high school because it's 50-50. I think he's just upset. Uh, Now, was he really emotionally? Did he really feel emotion for George Floyd? He has zero in common with George Floyd. General Brown, not a career criminal. General Brown grew up with a father in the house. General Brown was a father to his children. But, no, let's just do the victim game. Keep going. I'm thinking about my Air Force career, where I was often the only African-American in my squadron, or as a senior officer, the only African-American in the room. I'm thinking about wearing the same flight suit with the same wings on my chest as my peers and they being questioned by another military member. Are you a pilot? Stop. I'm thinking about my- Stop for a second. Wow. That, that really burned. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's the, I don't understand. I don't un- I really don't understand. And you could say, well, that's because you're white. Well, it was it the fault of the person who confused you. You know, lots of people wear flight suits in the military. They're not all pilots. The doctor gets to wear a flight suit. Certain crew members get to wear flight suits, even though they don't fly the plane. Lots of people wear flight suits. Now, if you want to be offended, you can be. You know who told me about this? Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson, uh, Secretary of HUD, brain surgeon, an amazing man in so many ways. And I had this lengthy conversation, and he told me that he went to Australia to do some work in um, in brain surgery. I and he was at Hopkins, but he could get more training in, in Australia. So he went to Australia for a while, and then he's back here in America. And he said sometimes when he would walk in as the doctor, uh, people would be like, okay, well, where's the doctor? And it's him. And they, were expect- they weren't they were expecting a black man 
to be the brain surgeon. And he told me, he said, please, whatever he said, he told the patients, do not, I don't, I'm not offended at all. <laughs> don't, please don't worry about it. You know, there are only three black neurosurgeons in the world. So I would understand why you would be a little bit surprised. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's nobody's, all right, this is where we are. It's okay. And you know what he said? He said he'd make, he'd make a friend for life. Because quite frankly, if I made, if I said something, I would feel pretty miserable for a moment or two, maybe more. And instead of having a chip on his shoulder about it, like he could have, he made a friend for life. And this guy, I'm sorry, carrying around all these little slights. You know, we all go through, we're all insulted. We're all, we all have little moments. We all get disrespected throughout our career. And then you become the top dog and you let it all hang out, huh? It's not supposed to be this way, but this is what made him a star. Keep going. Are you a pilot? I'm thinking about my historic nomination to be the first African-American to serve as the Air Force Chief of Staff. I'm thinking about the African-Americans that went before me to make this opportunity possible. I'm thinking about the immense expectations that come with this historic nomination, particularly through the lens of current events plaguing our nation. I'm thinking about how I may have fallen short in my career and will likely continue falling short, living up to all those expectations. I'm thinking about how my nomination provides some hope, but also comes with a heavy burden. Now, let me hear the next one where he says, uh, where he's being interviewed by that guy, where he's being interviewed by somebody. It's in your career as well, wasn't it? I mean, you, you were facing confirmation hearings at the same time. It was, but. Um, I, you know, I debated for a little while, um, but it was really the, uh, uh, the phone call from my son who, um, was very much struggling with what was going on because he had gone to Washington University in St. Louis. Um, his freshman year of college was, uh, the events in Ferguson, Missouri, um, about two miles from the campus. And he just felt, uh, things were really bothering him. And when he called and talked to me, he asked me, because I was commander of Pacific Air Force at the time, and uh, he said, Dad, what is PACAP going to say? And what he was really asking me was, Dad, what are you going to say? And it was that that kind of uh, pushed me to do. Is he going to cry again? Things were on my mind that had been on my mind for a period of time. What's uh, up with generals crying? Throughout my career, throughout my life, but uh, particularly at that moment. And uh, because I was waiting for confirmation, I delayed for a little bit, but then it was one of those where you just, I felt like I needed to say something. That was really focused on uh, the video, more so for the airmen of Pacific Air Forces, not for it to, it to uh, go as broad as it did. Now, it just uh, so happens, though, by the way, that racial strife is an issue that uh, Democrats seek to exploit big time. And here he is, a sitting U.S. general weighing in on the affairs of uh, George Floyd. George Floyd, a career criminal who once held the knife to the stomach of a pregnant woman, threatening that he would kill her and the baby if he did not get money for his drugs. Mm. Um, uh, the son was traumatized by the events in Ferguson, Missouri. You remember, hands up, don't shoot, right? Michael Brown, total lie. Oh, by the way, Michael Brown tried to steal the gun of a police officer, tried to kill that police officer. That's why he was shot. Um, but no, 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 no. He was just a kid who, uh, was hungry and, uh, went into the wrong convenience store. No, he's a bad guy. I'm sorry. And, uh, you can look it up. The department of justice under Barack Obama has a, a, a lengthy 200 page report about all this that completely exonerates the officer involved. 
and has a lot to say about Michael Brown, oh, by the way, back when the Department of Justice was somewhat professional. Uh, is this guy going to lose it on the job? Sounds like it. Doesn't even have the job. I've already counted him crying twice. A little bit more. Let's wrap it up with this dude. And uh, because I still today have people come up to me and ask me questions about it and, and thank me for doing it. Because hopefully as a senior officer in the United States Air Force, I was able to give a voice and say some things that others felt but uh, maybe didn't have the uh, the position to do so. Um, hmm. So it's not appropriate for junior officers to speak about domestic political issues, but it is appropriate for senior officers to talk about domestic political issues. Is that it? I've, I've seen that a lot, actually, in the military. That uh, that that has been known to happen. Um, I couldn't be more disappointed. Oh, by the way, it's an Air Force guy. And quite frankly, you shouldn't have an Air Force guy in charge of the entire military. Uh, you need a guy with a ground perspective. You need a Marine or you need a soldier. You need a, 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 an Army guy or a Marine. Air Force, I don't think they get the whole picture. I don't. Um, we've had them before, though. And mm, just taking us back. And he says in this interview that all of the improvements since Black Lives Matter, right, at the Pentagon have been good for the military. Nobody believes that. This diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, fascination and fixation has obviously made us less prepared to fight, less mission-focused than ever before. This guy, in part, is being rewarded rewarded for speaking out the way he did in the summer of 2020, which, oh, by the way, was <laughs> there was an election uh, going on, right? There was a bitterly contested campaign, and he weighs in with that kind of stuff. I don't like it. Do you? Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if he gets confirmed. You know who has something to say about this? Tommy Tuberville. Senator Tommy Tuberville from Alabama, who's uh, one thing I like about Tommy and also like Matt Gates, and there are a few others like this. They never served in the military, but that does not hold them back from fulfilling their constitutional role overseeing the military. You know, it's great that you served in uniform, but that does not mean you're infallible, and that does not mean we res- we, we, we may respect you, but if you say something or do something that is not worthy of our respect, well, that's a problem. You can't hide behind a uniform. This is what Michael Fanone did. Remember Fanone? And those fake January 6 cops, those political operatives they got up there, what do we call them, crisis actors? Remember this guy, Cut 28? The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. Wow. Wow. But he's in uniform, so you can't say anything. I mean, you can say anything about cops on any given day, except the cops from January 6, right? Right? You see how it works? Such a hyper-political uh, mess. This is the same guy, Michael Fanone, at the time a, a cop in Washington, D.C. Does this sound remotely professional? You think armed men who work for the government should be talking like this? Cut 29. As an American, I believe very strongly in a, in a two-party system. Um, right now, one of those parties has a cancer, and we got to cut it out. Yeah, I got a real problem with this. This is fascism, everybody. Uh, and they were being used and exploited. But people like Fanon wanted to be used and exploited because, well, they did some using and exploiting themselves. They got money out of it. They got book deals. Fanon got at least a half million dollars cash. A half million dollars cash. You can look it up. 
Um, and uh, those phonies on the committee, they ate up all of this crap. Cut 30. For um, your heroism and your bravery that day, for your bravery on January 6th, and for your service to our country. And the efforts of the brave men and women in law enforcement. From our brave law enforcement officers. The brave men and women of the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police, and all the other law enforcement officers who fought to defend us that day saved lives and our democracy. All right. Sorry, but after you kill Ashley Babbitt, you don't you don't heap praise in primetime hearings and hand out medals to the cops. You just don't. I love cops. I support law enforcement. But when they screw up, as they did, in that massive security failure, you don't continue to kiss ass like that unless there's something political going on, sinister and political, and also very secret. We haven't, we haven't figured out 1% one, 1 of what really went down on January 6th. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, I wonder if this ever happened. There's a clip from a movie that I've seen. It comes up on my Instagram a lot where a bomber, an American bomber, is flying home to base, battle damage during World War II. Uh, it's limping home. It's lost an engine and it's got all kinds of damage and uh, it's in big trouble. But they're probably going to make it home. And a Messerschmitt, a Nazi fighter propeller plane, uh, gets behind the uh, the aircraft and he's about to shoot it down. And he takes his finger off the off the machine gun button and decides not to do it. And then he flies right next to the plane. He gets right next to it and he just kind of waves at the pilot. And and he decides not to shoot him down. Ooh, and I'm still watching it. And then air-to-air missiles on the ground, air-to-air Nazi uh, guns on the ground see this, and they point their gun at the American plane. But at the last second, they notice that, wait, that's a German flying right next to him. What's going on? So they don't shoot it down. There's only one guy in the Messerschmitt, and there are like six, seven guys in the British plane. So what he did was he saved their lives for some reason. Could this ever have happened in real life? Do we know? Could that ever have happened? You know, between fighting men and women on either side, you know, our countries have the beef with each other. The, But the fighting men and women often don't. You know, they're doing what they're told. Um. They're doing, obviously, we wanted to, we had to annihilate Nazi Germany, all right? Don't get me wrong. Ever see Saving Private Ryan? Remember, the, the they let that guy go? Things like that happen sometimes in war. A lot of weird things happen in war. Horrible things, great things, inhumane things, the ultimate and generous human spirit. You can see it all in war. Not that I've, you know, look, how much war did I see? A bit. Uh, it's not like, you know, I was there for a thousand days or anything like that, but I saw enough. I saw enough. And you know, my big takeaway was, uh, well, I liked the way I handled it, to be honest. That was my big takeaway. Number one, war stinks, should only be fought last resort. And secondly, when the bullets started to fly and bombs started going off, I did not lose my mind. 
I'm pretty proud of that because, quite frankly, you never know. You never know until the bullets start flying. You can have the biggest, bravest, baddest guy around when the bullets start flying. Ooh, I saw this in boot camp, actually, that, you know, they would have us go over these obstacles just to see if we got scared. One of them was a wall. It went up like 50 feet, and you had to climb up the wall. It had like a ladder, and some guys wouldn't do it, or they'd get to the top and they'd freak out. You never know if that's going to be you. Hopefully you don't have to find out. Uh, does this make any sense at all? I hope so. Um, anyway, hey, it's no, it's not Friday. It's only Thursday. But the weekend is almost here. Um, Trump workers moved Mar-a-Lago boxes a day before Justice Department came for the documents. Breaking news on MSNBC. Guess what? We don't care. We don't believe you people anymore. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Are you telling me that in your opinion as attorney general, it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT style agents with long guns and ballistic shields? For these people, you should have resigned long ago. And if you cannot change course, you should be removed from office. Uh, that's Social media is in my personal capacity, Senator. I mean, this is unbelievable. And you want to be the archivist of the United States. You lied to us under oath. Amazing guy. Uh, Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri. He's up for re-election next year. He's totally brilliant. Like him a lot. He just wrote a book about manhood and America. Now it's okay to be masculine. I look forward to this book. I think he's a he's a great guy, great voice, and uh, the left hates him. They lied about him on January sixth. They said he ran out in a panic. He didn't. Uh, and John Hamm, of all people, is voicing a political ad. You ever hear John Hamm? Doesn't he do uh, Mercedes commercials as well? John Hamm. He played Don Draper in Mad Men. Did a very good job. But that's all. This he's an actor. He pretends all day long. That's it. And he's giving uh, Josh Hawley a hard time. Uh, I, this is one of the worst TV ads I've ever seen. Listen to John Hamm try to be a political uh, supporter here. It doesn't work. Cut 32. Manhood. You'd hope that means courage. Courage isn't something you can give speeches or write a book about. It's not sitting on the sidelines while others sacrifice or denying help to those who did. It isn't putting people down or trying to control them or using your own power for profit or ambition. I, I, first of all, the music is too loud. You can't really hear his voice. He's talking too fast. And these headlines pop up that are supposed to be damaging to Josh Hawley, but they come up and they, they're gone too fast. Um, let's uh, cut 33, please. In Missouri, you can't fake courage. We're the show me state. The show me state. What the hell does that even mean? John Hamm's big thing is he's from Missouri. And then he went to Hollywood, and he certainly doesn't go back to Missouri much, I'm, I'm imagining. Uh, let's see. Give me another one of these, please. Uh, cut 33. In Missouri, you can't fake courage. We're the show me state. Oh, we already did that one. Uh, try 35. Courage is something you have to show us. It shows in the working class people that pitch in to help the family next door bankrupted by medical bills. It shows in the Marine who signed up to honor and serve the community that took care of them. Too many words. Too many words. It shows in the family they tried to help with the medical bills. Just too many words. And oh, by the way, did he say at the end, uh, he signed up for the Marines to help the community he came from, to help and honor the community he came from. I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, 
People go into the Marine Corps for a lot of different reasons, all right? Sometimes to pay for college, sometimes because they like the uniforms, sometimes, uh, I don't know, sometimes, believe it or not, people want to go to war, all right? I mean, we need guys like that, believe it or not. We do. Um, and the f- fact that it's also service to your country, that's like a, that's a benefit. That's a fringe benefit. But there are a lot of uh, things that go into one's decision to join the military. John Hamm, what a piece of work this guy is. Cut 37, last one. If you want to be told about manhood, some guy wrote a book about it. But if you want someone to show you courage, send Lucas Kuntz to the Senate. Ooh, Lucas Kuntz to the Senate. Uh, bad ad. Bad, bad, bad ad. I mean, does that make you like Lucas Kuntz? I looked up Lucas Kuntz. First of all, I just, the name is not a good name. What difference does it make what his name is? What difference does it make? But he ran for something last year. He ran for another Senate seat last year. He loses that one and turns right around and runs for another one. It's one of these guys who's planning this all of his life. He goes to one of the Ivy League schools and joins the Marine Corps. Wow, nobody will see. That is so interesting, right? Everybody's trying to be the next John Kerry, right? You know what John Kerry did? He joined the Navy for about six minutes, and uh, he knew that was the plan to protest the war. I'll, I'll be the, you know, I'll, I'll be all things to all people. I will be. It's such an interesting package. No, it's not. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you served honorably in the Marine Corps, great. Now what can you do? What do you have to offer? Uh, Rich in Pennsylvania. Hello. Hi, Greg. Thanks. Um, about that Patagonia commercial, um, I'm a militant heterosexual mountain climber who lived in Utah for four years, and I've worn crampons hundreds of times. It's and, a funny word, right? I mean, I feel funny saying it, but it's a well, real it's word. A French word. If I recall, it is a French word. I don't know exactly what it means, but it's from probably around 1900. And there's a lot of different kinds of crampons. They're actually a pretty sophisticated piece of equipment. It's there's a basically, it's like a, it's like a cleat. It's basically a very fancy cleat for mountain climbing. Uh, they have ten point, twelve point instep, which are four or five. All right, I'm not buying one, but keep going. Um, well, uh, you you needed them. They they were first, I'd say, made out of stainless steel. I started climbing in the late, uh, early seventies. Um, and then I quit probably 30 years ago, but I climbed all over the U.S. Uh, and all the major mountain ranges. And it's to keep you from falling. No, I, I know what a crampon does, but tell me more. What's your oh, larger point? Okay, so, so look, uh, the, the, I, I could have, I forgot all about it, but I should have seen this Patagonia commercial coming. And I'll tell you why. That is because, uh, companies like Patagonia, North Face, um, the others were Eastern Mountain Sports or EMS. Um, there were very serious companies, um, Mountain Safety Research, REI, and um, in, something happened in the 70s, quite frankly. I think it was America's attack on heart disease when they, they realized that our food was poison and there was a television room. There was a television in every room in every house, and it started with the jogging craze of Wait, the middle What 70s. started? What are you talking about? What started? Um, fashion in sporting goods. Turning sporting goods, um, you know, oh. P. Diddy got into it. This equipment, um, these jackets that were very serious, these are jackets and vests, uh, were made to keep you warm below zero. Um, the French made great equipment, too. But then uh, it started becoming very competitive. There was a recreation boom, and it was um, yeah. North Face. 
and EMS were really the first ones to turn it into fashion. All right. And women started buying it. So, and then and it then becomes, it, it for, you forget what it was all about originally. It used to be about the music, right? It used to be about the mountain climbing. Now it's, uh, now you got that, that, that homosexual jumping around, right? That homo jumping around screaming that he's a homosexual. He used the word. Hey, can I ask you something, Rich? Um, sure. mountain climbing. Uh, let's see. Why'd you do that? You know what? I don't know because it was there. Um, in in those days, I I think our our community, our public, was much more in touch with nature, even on even on a slight level. Uh, you know, everybody had. I don't know. Uh, you, you just get into it. I was a big Boy Scout. I became an Eagle Scout. Um, and um, well, I'm glad you don't going. do it anymore. I admire those who do, but. I read that book. It's called Into Thin Air. Uh, it's about all the rich people who would climb Mount Everest. Don't ever climb Mount Everest. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, I don't care how good a mountain climber you are. If the weather turns bad, it can turn bad real quick. Uh, you're in trouble. And, oh, by the way, so many rich people climb Mount Everest that you got to wait online. It's like a great adventure at one point. you got all these people. And if you drop dead at the top of Mount Everest, it's like, so what? You're screwed. They leave you up there. They got like 50 frozen bodies at the top of Mount Everest. Did you know about that 50, stuff? Yes, and it costs about $50,000 to climb Mount Everest. I never did technical climbing, Greg. I only did it once. I was an ex, I was an expedition climber. I didn't get into all that gear. I only used uh, crampons and, and uh, equipment like ice axes and that kind of thing once. I climbed Mount Rainier. I did a winter ascent mm. in Mount Rainier. But after that... I just followed the trail up, up, up the mountains. Sometimes you're out for a week or two, but I never got crazy like that. I love it. Hey, what do you do now? What do you do now? Uh, now I'm a house painter up in Dingman's Ferry, Pennsylvania. Um, I, I started my career, believe it or not, as a medical artist. That's how I know heart disease started this whole crazy recreation trend because I was a medical illustrator when heart disease became the big boom and everybody stopped eating fat. And get out there and exercise. And that's good, right? And you make it sound like it's bad. That's good. No, it was good, but it was a mistake. It wasn't the fat. It was sugar that was killing everybody. Ooh. It wasn't fat. And if and Ronald Reagan is kind of the guy that turned that around because it got crazy. Remember the Jarvik heart and that whole thing? And I was working on these campaigns for pharmaceutical companies to invent the ultimate heart drug. And Ronald Reagan... Uh, saw all this cheese that was being put away in caves in the middle of the country. And he said, this is stupid. And they brought all the cheese back out. And now we have cheese on absolutely everything. And it took them another 20 years to realize they were making a mistake. Wait, hold on a second. So, cheese is okay, though, right? Cheese is okay. Cause yes. there's no, yeah. Cheese okay. It has no starch, carbohydrates, no sugar in it. Cheese is perfectly right. fine. Stay away from sugar. Yes, stay away from sugar. Now, the only thing about cheese is it is a dairy product and it has lactose. A sugar in it, but it's very low. And the other thing I want to tell the public is they keep calling eggs dairy, and eggs are not dairy. Eggs are poultry. It's a great food source with no carbohydrate. I love it. I and, love it. Rich, man, you really know your stuff. You're like, uh, and you're passionate about everything. Good for you. Yeah, thank you, Craig. All right. Stay in touch. Thanks, pal. That is pretty intense. What an intense guy. Lives with passion. I love it. Uh, give me a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Our border is a disaster. 
crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation, and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we prove that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Uh, all right. Well, that's professional. I mean, that's professional. That's the way it should have been done from the get-go. Instead, how did he do it? <laughs> Instead, what actually happened? Ron DeSantis cut 20. And even to expose Twitter's past complicity with a government censorship regime might have surprised many, but not those of us who've known and worked with Elon for nearly, nearly a quarter century. His commitment to freedom, his commitment to freedom and his willingness to put his money where his mouth is. Oh, it messed up and echoey. And then what happened? Cut 23. Well, there's 382,000 people, Lauren. All right, great. So let's see. So they just keep crashing, huh? Yeah, I think we've got <laughs> a, just a massive number of people online. So All right, that's reality. That's reality. You know, cut 13, quite frankly, with enough takes and enough uh, sound effects and music. Anybody can sound like this. Cut 13 one more time. All right. Our border is a disaster. Yeah, I know. I know that, Ron. I know that, Ron DeSantis. What's up with DeSantis? It was DeSantis for the longest time. Now it's DeSantis. All right. I got to go. I'm not on the Newsmax show tonight. Carl Higby will be filling in. Great guy. Navy SEAL, oh, by the way. Um. Navy SEALs are great, almost too great. The training is so hard. Once they go through it, you can never tell them what to do again. <laughs> Just like, I went through SEAL training. Get out of my way. I'm not saying Carl's like that, but a lot of SEALs. Uh, all right. So I got a split, and I am anxious, though, to hear from uh, Jeff in Queens. Uh, what's this about the Seven uh, Eleven? Yeah, Greg, you had mentioned I tried to call a few times. Yeah, a California guy overheard him talking about it. Right after you said it, it was like, what? wow. What? He said that the, the Sunokos bought up Japanese guys to, in, in, from Japan from, through 7-Eleven. They're buying up the Sunokos. I don't know They're anything about stores. this. I don't know. I would not well, say that because I don't know anything about that. You no, know, I, I searched it. He's pretty on the money. Well, this I don't care. I mean, wait, wait, wait. Sunoco gas station. First of all, I haven't been to one of those in uh, since 1979. Do they still exist? You were asking, yeah, about a week ago or so. You I, I don't remember. The gas station. Okay, so any event, so 7-Eleven bought those so they can put their stores in. Congratulations and, uh, to 7-Eleven. The same guy, the same guy as well. I can't kiss and tell. I can't tell what club and mention names, but this guy totally did the moonwalk. I can't believe he moonwalked and he did like the whole Michael Jackson skit. That's like, incredible, and, Jeff. Wow, this guy I mean, knows Seven no, Eleven, Sunoco's, and moonwalk. But on the but on the 18th green of a golf course, Greg. All right. And he's yeah. And yeah. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. But actually, and then he did the Jerry Lewis. Uh, Jeff, you're easily a, impressed. I mean, you can read this stuff in the Wall Street Journal, and you can see the moonwalk anytime you want. 
from this guy, though. It was pretty good. All was right. Pretty, and he shot a 71. So I'm just Who saying, the hell is he, then? I'm just throwing it out there. He, he actually has your name, but he spells it with two Gs. That's all, all right. I could say. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. A little bit of a riddle there. Let's try... Uh, I really should go. Uh, uh, Lou! 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 Hello, Greg. Listen, I'm going to hit you. I know you want to go out the door, so I'll be quick. First of all, you're talking about people wearing military uniforms. Vito Fasella, when he was congressman, well, he used to go to the American Memorial Day Parade, which passed, went right past his mansion. So he had to go there for a photo op. He would wear a flight suit. He would wear a bomber jacket, insignias, medals. And the, and the nah, no, he didn't. Nah, no, he didn't. He didn't do that stuff. Hey, by the way, you're allowed to wear a bomber jacket if you've never been in the military. You buy that stuff right off the rack. It says Top Gun on it. We're not supposed to think you're a Top Gun pilot. I've seen those leather jackets with those patches. I was standing behind somebody the other day in line. He had all that stuff on. He's not trying to. He's just celebrating the military. He's not trying to pretend he's the military. Uh, meanwhile, there's no. He, he did not help American veterans. There's no what are you talking about? Vito Pacell is great. He broke his ass for the veterans. I like that guy. Ah, leave Vito alone. He's a good guy. Come on. This sounds like a personal beef you two have. You have on your part, Lou. And Lou, you're in Long Island. What do you care from Vito Pacella? He lives uh he lives uh he lives in Staten Island. I'll see you later, all right? I gotta go. Uh oh, and Barbara's waiting. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to call because yesterday I was so impressed when I heard your caller who went into her local Walgreens store, saw a display that was inappropriate for young children and acted on it. Today I got a call from a woman who lives in San Francisco, and she was telling me she went on one of the main search engines where you would go to search for flights and so forth. And the guy who was there who was typing in with her was so helpful that at the end she wrote, Thank you so much for your help. God bless you. When she typed in God, the G-O-D disappeared and three asterisks came up. So she thought this is really strange. So she typed again and she said, I can't tell you how helpful this has been. May God bless you. And the now, wait, she's thing, typing this where again? Where is she typing this thing? Get into a customer service. You know how they'll, they'll say, you know, click here if you want to, to have a text exchange with a customer service person. Uh, right. So that's what she was doing. So when she saw God deleted for the second time, she upped her auntie and she asked for a supervisor. And the answer she got is that their computer is programmed so that any sentimental language will be blocked and replaced with asterisks. What company so is this? God, it's Orbitz. Well, it was Orbitz. Orbitz. What is that? The chewing gum? What is Orbitz? A rental car company? No. I know what you mean. It's a search engine for if you're looking for flights and you want to find different flights with different airlines, you can go to Orbitz, just like you might go to what, Kayak? I don't even know what they all yeah. are. No, that's crazy. But to have a corporate policy like this. So I love it. This woman has upped it even further. She's escalating it to complain at a higher level. And so when people like me and the lady who called into your show yesterday and this woman from California, when we see something, but then we do something, that is so important and so powerful. So that's why I wanted to share that with you, because I know you have a, a an audience full of doers. I love it. I love it. Orbits. Who knew? Who knew? And by the way, this is, uh, well, it's contagious on our end and it's contagious at the corporate level. 
Uh, you saw yes, what it, uh, it blew up with Dylan Mulvaney and Budweiser, and now Patagonia and uh, North Face running around with this character. The North Face, the, the jackets and boot company. Cut 38. One more time. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today I'm here with the North Face. A real-life homosexual. I mean, like, oh, is she trying to shock me? I just find it bad form, oh, by the way. I mean, you have nothing, to, whatever, it's so silly. Hey, listen, I do have to wrap it up. You know what I want to wrap things up with? My daughter saying goodbye to me the other day, all right? This is uh, this is how it goes down. She insi- Listen to this. Your what? That's my floor. Yes, it is. She pushes the button for me. Here's the elevator. Bye, honey. Bye. I need a kiss and a five. Kiss and a five. Like a high five. about that huh bye bye all the way down all right bye bye everybody barbara thank you anthony and warren and the rest i'm sorry i didn't get around to it to be continued i will be joining you tomorrow at 1 p.m from florida take care